This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Open for Business is powered by Bosbole.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9, good morning. I'm Roshan Kanesan and welcome to Open for Business. Direct lending started in 2016 as a digital lending marketplace platform, enabling borrowers to find, apply and receive financing that suits them safely and affordably. There are currently over 30 financing uh, providers on the platform, from cooperatives to Bursa Malaysia listed companies, licensed moneylenders, as well as credit communities. In more recent times, direct lending has moved a little bit into a different field. They've launched their first point of sales financing solution or embedded financing in late March 2022, which was Sharia compliant, which was a fully digital auto service financing that enables car owners to get financing at the workshop to pay for essential car repairs instantly in the event that you don't have one, two, three thousand ringgit on hand or available to pay for your repairs. In December 2022, Direct Lending further expanded the business by offering financing to micro SME businesses. We speak to founder and director Hui Yik Seung about uh, building and growing a digital lending marketplace platform, the rationale for launching its own financing solutions and more. Uh, Yik, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you doing? Good. Thanks, Thanks, Roshan, having me here. Um, it was good to see you at the Fintech Frontiers. Yeah, you won uh, Most Promising Startup of the Year, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, thank you very much for that. So let's talk about the promising nature of this. But before we get into all of that, mm. let's take a step back, right? So you started the Marketplace platform back in 2016. Now you're venturing into embedded finance uh, from your own generated funds. But when you started, what was the problem you were trying to address with the marketplace? Yeah, sure. Um, I think when Data Lending first started, our mission is really to uh, you know bridge the credit gap and foster financial inclusions. Uh, you know, coming myself coming from a banking background, mm-hmm. uh, so we also understand some of the, the limitations when uh, traditional bank providing financing to to individual or small businesses. So I think the area that we saw, you know, whereby uh, you know there's an area that we see that we can address is what we call as the the bank credit underserved segment. You know, who are these people? These are you know individuals that maybe are lower income group, uh, you know, fresh grad with no credit history, and of course you know micro entrepreneurs, self employed individuals, whereby you know may not have a payslip, uh, income is a bit uh, uncertain. So I think these are individuals that usually is very challenging when you come to accessing to traditional bank financing, and we all know that financing is important. Uh, emergency do happen. Um, so when that moment happened, you know, you can't get loan from a traditional financing source, then where do you go? I think you heard of loan shark, loan scam, I think that's happening. So I think that was really the, the, the problem that we wanted to address. And that's why we started Dara Lending. And um, so that when you started, so the marketplace primarily deals with personal loan products, Correct. right? As Correct. I, if I understand Correct. this. Now, I, I just want to uh, get into this uh, right off the bat. Mm. When we talk about personal loans and maybe providing the financing to uh, people who can't get it for traditional banks, mm. some might say that you know it's for a reason, right? Because they don't have the credit worthiness to do mm. so, and that by providing more uh, groups that are more financially vulnerable, yep. this is you're, you know playing with the line uh, in terms of whether it edges into predatory lending. Sure. Uh, how do you respond to that? Sure. Um, yeah. So actually, when we first started, uh, when we kind of look at the market, you know, they do have a lot of uh, alternative uh, legit lenders. You know, we're talking about. Cooperative, corporacy. You know, we have a licensed money lender, licensed credit community, and I think they're trying to dare to to fill that gap. And I think the reason not 
not able to get loan from the traditional bank, it's not necessarily due to uh, creditworthiness. Mm. You know, I think it's a lot of times it's probably just due to the size of the loan that may not be that profitable for a traditional bank to look at, right? Because whether you like it or not, you know, processing a, 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 a one million worth of loan probably the time that you spend may be the same at five thousand. But of course, mm. the economics will be different. Uh, so. And of course, when I share about the, the, the segment audience that we're looking at, you know, we're talking about people are low-income group, got no credit history, uh, but that doesn't mean necessarily mean that they are not creditworthy in that sense. So, um, so I think for us, we still want to make sure that uh, the financier, when we do start our marketplace business, we only want to work with legal and legitimate lenders that you know operate according to laws and regulations. So we do a lot of due diligence on that. And we're also making sure that... Uh, you know, whatever credit I look at is responsible in that sense, in terms of rates, in terms of criteria. So it sounds like you're providing an alternative or the concern is that without, you know, access to these kind of the, from the corporacies or for uh, lenders that will, will, legal lenders that will lend to them this mm. money, they end up going to the illegal routes, exactly. which exactly. interest rates are not regulated there. There's exactly. no max 18% per annum, which exactly. becomes a bit more dicey. Let's just put right. it that way. Right, right, right. Um, Looking back, mm. um, you know, when you were building the marketplace business, um, what were, I guess, the key challenges uh, in building that, especially along the seven-year journey that you, uh, you've you been on? Uh, well, depending on how much time I, I have, <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a lot of challenges. Uh, but I think maybe I'll just pick a few that, that I think it's still a challenge that we are facing today. Uh, I think number one, I think the, the main thing is the trust, mm. right? Um, uh, I think the traditional thinking is that if you're not a bank, then you are alone when you come to lendings, right? Uh, um, I think that is the general mindset. But I think it's changing right now, you know, with digitalizations and whatnot. And, and of course, you know, when we first started seven years ago, no one know who we are. So I think building trust, especially because we started as a digital platform, again, being online, that process another challenges. Um, and I still recall, right, uh, when I first started, uh, when we first have our first lender on board, and I really want to validate the idea that, you know, I think the reason why we go to digital is because we can access to more people, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and, you know, we can hopefully using technology to to reduce the cost of serving them. Um, but it's still a question about whether, you know, will people actually trust us to lend that and why they will come to, you know, digital side of things. And I still remember when I first started, of course, it's a very basic website. It's more like a purely <laughs> generation, you know, we, we spend some dollars, you know, to, to get some leads. And I will go and meet them face to face. Wow. Um, because I really want to understand who they are, what is their pain point, and, and what challenges they are facing that they are willing to trust, you know, someone that just find online. Uh, I think I, I remember I, f I go as, as far as Podixon <laughs> to, to meet them, to understand where they, who they are and, you know, what's their pain point. And I think from there on, we kind of really realise that, you know, this underserved segment, you know, is quite a big population. It may be something that we don't necessarily see, you know, in this uh, KL area necessarily, but, you know, as you kind of look across the country. Um, and, and, and yeah, so I think from there on, we kind of understand what is their pain point, what challenges they're looking for. So from there on, we are able to, you know, work with our financiers to come up with product that suit them and also think about how we can, you know, use online journey to serve them better. So you are the tech platform. You are playing the new digital middleman in terms of connecting the lenders with the people who want to borrow. Yep. Right? And this is the marketplace business. Correct, correct. Um, you started in 2016. In 2017, uh, you told Digirati that overall loan volumes on a month basis was about 1 million ringgit a month. Right. Um, what are volumes like today on the marketplace? Um, yeah, we were, we were, I guess, 
we are fortunate and we have been able to grow uh, by serving their needs. So as of today, right now, we have you know dispersed over 300 million uh, worth of personal financing in total. To in total. So currently, we are running around, you know, uh, roughly speaking, uh, 11 to 13 million per, per month. Wow, so you've uh, 10 x that uh, 10 to 15x that number right, over the right, last seven right. years. Uh, but clearly showing that there's a demand for this product here. Um, was there a reason that you focused on the loan and the credit side of things instead of opening up to like what Ringy Plus has done with you know investment insurance, sure, all different kinds sure, of products sure, there? Sure, sure. Um, yeah, I think it, it kind of back to the mission of the company, right? Uh, for us, it's all about thinking about how do we help this every hardworking adults to have access to safe and affordable financing. Mm. I think that's the mantra that we have. So whatever we do, whatever we wanted to go into, we think about that. So I think that kind of answers the question as to, you know, we think about the financing side, how can we help them in accessing the financing? Because we do believe that if financing use it wise and properly, you know, it would have a positive impact in people's life. As it stands today, uh, you've got a few products here. So on one side, the marketplace has uh, personal loans from banks and corporations, but also licensed moneylender personal loans. On the embedded financing or the point of sales financing mm. solution side, you've introduced the auto uh, service financing solution as well as SME financing. Uh, to be clear, these are not interest-free products. They yep. are financing products, maximum 18% per annum per year. Uh, break down these, uh, these four verticals for us. Sure. Um, so as I mentioned, we started off as, as a marketplace. Uh, so the marketplace in terms of the product is primarily personal loan uh, from corporacy, uh, selected bank, and also from the credit community or licensed money lenders. Um, and I think the reason why we expand into the auto service financing side, um, I think it's really back to the vision of the company. You know, uh, for us as a company, our dream is to become the go-to platform for every hardworking adults to address every financing needs that they have. And they'll come to us because they know that we will deliver them a very personalized, a seamless, and a happy experience. So thinking about that, you know, we asked ourselves, you know, two years ago, what can we do better? What can we do more on top of this marketplace? Then we realized that actually when we look into that, people actually, you know, take a loan. They don't actually need the money in that sense. It's not very counterintuitive, but I think what I'm trying to say is that, for example, if I take a car loan, I actually want to buy the car. Yeah. I don't necessarily need the money of the loan in that sense. So then we look at our own use case. Uh, people you know, take personal financing from our platform. Why are they using it for? You know, of course, there are certain reasons that you know, maybe I would say uh, can be done better, whether it's in terms of um, you know, maybe buying some luxurious items, you know, maybe to impress <laughs> people. But we also realize that there's a lot of good reason, right? People are... You know, getting financing to grow businesses, to try businesses, uh, or maybe to you know educate themselves or fund their families, members for educations, and also for emergency purposes, whether it's for medical. And then we realize that one of the use cases also is people need car to re- you know need to repair car because car is necessity in Malaysia. Yeah. Go to work, do businesses, and you know even go to pick up kids from school from you know to school. Um, and I think there's a research by Benagar, a survey by Benagara, 75% of Malaysian are not able to fork out 1,000 during emergency needs, yeah. right? And, and also I think there's an article by News talking about with the cost of rising, uh, people are skipping maintaining car, which mm. is also necessity. Mm-hmm. So after we look at all that, then we ask ourselves, what if you know, we can deliver an even better experience whereby the financing will be available 
when the needs arise. Mm. So we looked at different, different use case, the things I mentioned. Then we decided to start out with this uh, auto service segment because we believe the use case is, is strong. The market is big. The problem is there. Um, yeah, I think that, that was really the reason we, we get there. Do really solve two main challenges, I said. Number one, from a car owner standpoint, uh, is to enable them to repair the car conveniently and affordably so that they can carry on their life to work, you know, to do businesses. And on the other hand, right, most of the workshop here in Malaysia are small, medium or micro size. So to them, I won't be able to give credit terms to my customer, right? I need my working capital to run businesses. Uh, so to them, it's also, um, you know, having potential customer coming in, not able to do the sales. It's a value-added service exactly. for them in a so, lot of ways. Exactly. So we are able to, I think they've brought out, uh, we are able to solve that two pain point. Um, so that, I think that's how we, you know, Hopefully that's kind of aligned to our mission and the vision of, you know, delivering a more seamless and perfect experience. And that's been growing quite a bit. I think um, you've got over a thousand workshops and recently you signed a deal with Petronas Auto Expert, which is a big deal, by the way. So congratulations on that. Um, So auto service financing for the consumer side of things, SME financing. So you're targeting the, I think the the word you're using here is ecosystem financing. Right. Right. So you're targeting the workshops and helping them. uh, What, I guess, what are you trying to help them by providing this this financing to grow for working capital? Sure. Um, yeah, so again, aligned to that uh, vision, how can we help our our customer to 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 grow and how can we um, to empower them? So I mean, very much when we first started, was really thinking about the B2C side, right? Mm-hmm. You know, helping the car owner to, to repair the car. And then as we work closely with the workshop, then, you know, they have a lot of feedback to say that, Hey, I also need financing, <laughs> right? I, 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 you know, many of these small businesses, I also not able to get financing maybe from a traditional source to to grow my businesses, to buy stock, to open branches. Um, so as we think about that, yeah, why why not, right? And then because we work with them, you know, we have information about them, you know, in terms of their sales, in terms of the review from the customer. So that gave us some additional data point that maybe a traditional lender that may not be able to serve them. So that's how we kind of go into that. All right, up next, we'll talk a little bit about why someone would use this as opposed to credit cards, uh, for example. Uh, Also, the path ahead for the marketplace now that you're entering embedded financing, which could be quite an interesting one. Uh, Before we go into a few messages, you've heard it, uh, uh, you've heard us mention it repeatedly over the last few weeks. BFM Health and Living Live 2023 is happening very, very soon. In fact, it's happening tomorrow at the Vertical Banks of South City. You won't want to miss what our experts have to say about staying fit and mentally alert no matter how busy or stressed you are. We'll also have a bonus session on financial planning uh, moderated by myself and a chance for you to learn about your senses and gut health like you've never done before. Uh, we've got a few seats left here and there's left and less than 24 hours to get it. So if you want to get a free, uh, if you check out with... Go to bfm.my slash health event to register and use the code HNL2023 at checkout for a special promo price. Uh, on that note, we're going into a few messages. I've been speaking with Hui Yixiong. He's the founder and director of digital lending marketplace platform, Direct Lending. I'm Roshan Kanesan. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Open for Business will reopen in a few moments. Powered by BossBolle.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. Bolle for Malaysia. Ha. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. 
Open for Business is powered by BossBolet.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kanesan and this morning I've been speaking with Hui Yixiong. He's the founder and director of digital lending marketplace platform, Direct Lending. Um, Yik, we were talking a little bit earlier about, I guess, the marketplace business and why the move into uh, embedded financing through mm. your auto service financing as well as the SME financing business. You're focusing a lot on the auto sector, particularly the workshops. Um, with the auto service financing, like none of the products here are interest-free. They all have uh, an interest payment on it and the, the cap here is 18% per annum. So why would I use this, your auto service financing, uh, at the point of sale at a servicing workshop instead of the interest-free installment plans available on credit cards or some of the other BNPL solutions that don't charge interest? Yeah, sure. That's a very good question. Um, I think the, the the segment that we're trying to address here, you know, as, as you mentioned about the credit card, uh, I think there's a couple of points to draw here. Number one, you know, uh, Malaysian adult, Malaysian working adult who actually has a credit card is still a minority. Um, and because in order for you to have a credit card, I think you need to meet a certain requirements. Um, so I think that's number one. And number two, um, because of many of these uh, workshops, they are, as I mentioned, they are small SME in nature. So not everyone of them would have a credit card terminal, mm. right? Because uh, it's, it's costly, you know, it, it, it's, uh, there's an administration process involved. Um, so look back to our own use case, you know, so far when we look at our own data, more than 50% of uh, car owners who actually use our services uh, either do not have a credit history at all or do not have a credit card. So we are ready to help this segment that may not have a credit card. And, you know, you may have a credit card, uh, but maybe the limit is there or maybe the workshop themselves do not have a card terminal in order for you to do the EPP. Um, so we essentially provide another option for the consumer, especially when you come to addressing these uh, emergency needs. But Yik, how big is this market or, or how lucrative can it be for your business for the longer term? So, because on one side, you're talking about smaller workshops mm. that don't have credit card terminals, yep. which have become so popular. No, they've become so commonplace post-pandemic, mm. right? And on one side, we're talking about people who don't have access to credit facilities. Yep. When yep. most credit cards, I think we can get credit card if you are salaried and have 36,000 ringgit a yep. year. So how big is this market really? Um, yeah, so just to, to share some numbers, um, uh, based on our own research, um, we estimate that there's about 8 million cars in Malaysia, passenger car I'm talking about, that is more than 5 years old. Uh, why 5 years old? Because you know, if, if less than 5 years old, maybe you go back to the, you know, the service centre under the warranty. Right. Yeah, so out of this 8 million, you know, when we dissect down, of course not everyone will need financing. You know, everyone, some, there will be some people who have um, uh, you know, uh, money in place or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we kind of dissect down the segment that actually we can serve, we're talking about a million uh, car owner. So if you talk about, uh, we are able to just capture 10% of the market share, we are talking about 110,000 car owner to serve per year. And the interesting thing of this is also, and it's also one of the reasons why we picked this segment as a, our first segment, because it's also repeatable, right? right. Uh, you know, you need to service your car and once your car gets older, you probably need to see your foreman quite frequently. <laughs> I still recall that, you know, I used to drive a car that's more than 10 years old, a Japanese car. Mm. Um, yeah, other than, I, I still maintain my car twice a year and I probably will go and see my foreman every year. You know, aircon, 
Isoba, this and that. And all these things, actually, when you want to replace, can be quite sizable ticket sizes exactly, as well. Exactly. Uh, so I guess the benefit here, if I understand this correctly, could also be the fact that uh, from a customer value perspective, you may not want to fork out that amount of money for cash flow purposes. Yep. So you pay the interest on that to break it down to smaller ticket sizes. Yep. yep. Um, now, the auto servicing uh, financing and the SME financing or overall embedded financing that you're now looking into, does mark a departure from being a marketplace to now providing your own financing solutions. Right. Why have you made this move? What's the business rationale for it? Um, yeah, I think in terms of business rationale, I think what I mentioned about, you know, uh, because I think for us, it's very important we address the our customer needs mm-hmm. because if we can solve the customer pain point, I always believe that the business will come along. So for us, I think as I mentioned, you know, the reason, the, the primary reason is to deliver a, a better experience, a more seamless experience. Um, then if you dissect down more from a business standpoint also, by, by you know, in this embedded lending, the customer acquisition cost will also bring down. Mm-hmm. And secondly, it, it provides synergy to our marketplace. So as I mentioned earlier, you know, our vision is to be the go-to financing platform for for every hardworking adult whenever they got financing needs. So we, we want to imagine in a day whereby, you know, I got this uh, customer, Ali, you know, when the car breaks down, they'll think about direct lending. Maybe there's one day that I need to, you know, uh, pay for medical bill that can come to direct lending. And, and this marketplace itself can also maybe address some of that concern, right? Maybe a set ecosystem that I may not be in yet. So it allows us to provide better solutions to our customer. So essentially, we see more synergy. And of course, a lot of the technology that we've invested in, the credit uh, assessment tool, uh, it's, it's, it's highly interchangeably in that sense. So you could see this maybe from the medical perspective, uh, also doing point and sale financing for big credit card, uh, big uh, medical bills. But could you also see the SME financing for that for clinics, for example, if in the longer term, as a potential expansion point? Yeah, I think that is, uh, Roshan, I think that you raise a good point. I think that is the question that we ask ourselves, uh, you know, if and when we decided mm-hmm. to enter into a new ecosystem, right? So you're testing it with the auto first. Right, exactly. exactly. See how it does. Exactly. Because it's still a smaller part of your business overall, right? The marketplace, I presume, is still the dominant business yes, model. correct. But, you know, I guess, aren't there concerns of potential conflict of interest, you know, from your partners on the marketplace mm-hmm. that now you are providing your own financing solution? Yep. Um I think the short answer is no. Uh, why did I say so? Because, yeah, on the marketplace, uh, the product is you know a, a typical unsecured uh, personal financing, uh, and and then I can ask ask back right why a financier will want to use direct lending, right? Uh, why they are willing to pay us a fee for for us to acquire it. I think the short answer is because they, they, they are looking for channels, right? They are looking for distribution channel. They are looking for new way for them to acquire customer. Um, and so, of course, the marketplace itself is, is a way to do that. And the way we see that is that by having this auto service financing or other ecosystem, it also gives us another channel to, uh, to acquire customer. And in fact, we see potential of working with the, the lenders that we have because so they do have the balance sheet. Partner with them for exactly. the funds that you need to then exactly. lend to the borrower. Exactly, exactly. Uh, there will be a win-win situation because 
it allowed them to access a, a new market. It allows them to deploy the fund uh, and generate return that makes sense to them. Uh, and of course, for us, uh, you know, that we can serve both stakeholders. So it's still a customer acquisition tool for them, but now you are partaking in the profits of the spread as well right. the, and for the business. Right. Right. Um, we got to go into the 10.30am news bulletin, but we will be back in just a bit to talk about some of the risk management measures that you have to take in place now that you're taking the risk, as well as the growth ahead. I've been speaking with the founder and director of Digital Lending Space, uh, Digital Lending Marketplace Platform, Direct Lending, Hui Yik Xiong. I'm Roshan Kennison. You're listening to Open for Business. We'll be back in just a bit. So keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Open for Business will reopen in a few moments. Powered by BossBully.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. Breathe freely, Malaysians. BFM 89.9. The Business Station. Open for Business is powered by BossBolet.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9, welcome back to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kanison, and this morning I've been speaking with Hu Yik Song. He is the founder and director of digital lending marketplace platform, Direct Lending, that has recently gone into embedded financing as well. Uh, Yik, we were talking earlier a little bit about the, I guess the synergies that you see here at the marketplace and the embedded financing or the point of sales mm. financing that you're now going into. Um was this always the plan when you started the marketplace in 2016 or was it something that came along the way? Um, the short answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> I would say I think most... There most, was no master plan. I'm going to build a marketplace, acquire customers and then go into No, the, we, we figure out as we go along. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I think um, the, the reason we started that, you know, as, as I mentioned earlier, is really... I think we, we, we want to... I think we always push ourselves. How can we do better? Uh, how can we you know, really move to the vision that we have? Mm -hmm. And I think really think about you know this whole uh, seamless experience. How can we you know deliver the best value to to our our target audience? I think that was really the main reason for us to go there. And of course, from a business. Uh, point of view, it does make sense. Did you need to build the marketplace first before going into embedded financing? Um, if I have a chance to look back. Um, I suppose you, I think someone can also start with the embedded financing. Mm. Um, you know, I, I kind of look back to 2016, maybe the, the reason could be why we started the marketplace in the first place. You know, we do have people who ask me that, why don't you just start by providing financing? Yeah. I think the short answer is just that, you know, we were just started. You know, I don't have capital. I don't have <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, uh, infrastructure in that sense. And it just happened that at that moment, I come across that, in, in Malaysia, at least, there are all these alternative lenders who are actually serving this segment audience. So we just thought that, why don't we just build a marketplace to connect that and see how things go from there uh, and see whether that sort of addressed the, the objective that we have. Um, I think that was really the main reason how we started that. And of course, as we started that, get our hands dirty, you know, know who is this customer audience, their pain point. So I think this thing will just come along as, as we progress. Now, uh, alternative, you mentioned alternative lenders. Uh, there's a lot of alternative financing today, right? Uh, especially with the uh, introduction of P2P uh, mm. financing earlier on. So like I spoke to Cat Bay last week, they've distributed two over, yep. uh, over a billion ringgit in two SMEs here in Malaysia. Yep. Overall, I think the number's around two billion or so. Um, you're entering a potentially 
tight, not tight market space, but competitive space, mm. right? Because mm. everyone here is looking at particular verticals first. So they're looking at supply chain financing. Funding societies is much wider than that. Yep. There are other players in the scene as well. And we yep. also have DG banks that yep. haven't really gone operational yet. Yep. Um, how do you look at the competitive space and where do you see yourself, I guess, finding room here to build a, a large sustainable business? Sure. Um, that's a good question. I think that's also a question that we have to ask ourselves uh, quite seriously. Um, I think the short answer is, it's. I think that's also the reason why we get into ecosystem mm-hmm. in, instead of you know, coming out or we're going to do just another SME lending. Uh, so purpose-built lending. Exactly. In a way. Uh, you know, to be really, really integrated into the ecosystem. Um, so the challenge, I think, for us is to find a segment that, you know, there is a problem there and and it's big enough for, for a company like us to be sustainable and, and build a presence out there. Um, hopefully, we have found one which is in this uh, auto service segment, the aftermarket segment. Um, and I see a lot of opportunity, right? So um, we, we, as I mentioned, we started off, you know, serving the car owner, then now we're serving the, the workshop. And we, ha- we keep on asking ourselves, you know, what can we do more for the car owner, for the workshop? So it's something that we are exploring is, you know, maybe offering uh, auto insurance uh, into the ecosystem to the, to the customer base that we have by leveraging on the workshop network that, that we have. Then we can also help the car workshop to earn extra income. Um, so I think by having uh, you know, be be really good in what we do in that ecosystem, adding value to all the stakeholder, I think we do believe that uh, that will give us a unique value propositions. And I think in fact of thinking about competition, maybe that's an opportunity that we can collaborate with others, uh, bigger balance sheet lenders that you know we can work together since that we already have built a ecosystem, a channel there instead of have to rebuild that again. So my understanding is that currently you're using internally generated funds to provide your financing, uh, which I guess puts a cap on how much you can disperse or lend out. Uh, now that you mentioned that you're also looking at other people with larger balance sheets, yep. you're also looking to partner with some of the yep. ecosystem players. Yep. Uh, what's the strategy going forward to raise funds in order to grow this business? Yeah, um, so yeah, definitely. As we grow the business, uh, we do, of course, need uh, debt financing. Uh, of course, at the debt financing goal, we do need to also increase our equity base. Uh, so we are looking out in terms of uh, fundraising, uh, whether it's on the equity side or debt side. Um, for the debt side, I think the opportunity for us is uh, one, of course, the lenders that we're working with, um, and also to have, you know, strategic partnership with. Uh, uh, player that have been actually in the business and hopefully they see value in this ecosystem so then we can work together and delivering uh, values to both uh, our partners and also to the workshop. Now, a key thing with this, when you're lending to businesses, when mm-hmm. you're lending to other people, is that you, now that you're providing the financing yourself, um, you're also taking the risk yourself sure. or with your partners as well. What risk management measures have you put in place in order to assess creditworthiness mm-hmm. to see whether that you'll get your money back? Yep, sure. Um, yeah, that, that, I think that is the uh, uh, secret sauce ultimately <laughs> <laughs> or the, the, the mode that we need to build. Um, I would say that the, the last seven years, you know, for us to be just focusing solely in the financing basis have taught us a lot. Uh, and, you know, we have worked with many lenders, you know, we have 300 million being dispersed out from the platform. So we know, uh, you know, the customer base and, and, you know, their profile like. So in terms of the things that we look at, I think being in the ecosystem in itself do mitigate certain risks. 
Because like in our case here for the auto service financing, you know, we, we, we know that it's only for car repair, right? You, you can't use this money for something else. So that itself will mitigate certain risks. Um, and also by working with you know, the, the right car workshop, you know, that can also do that. So then internally what we do is that to be inclusive and at the same time being responsible. So we go away from the, you know, the traditional like pay slip. Uh, we look at basically their bank statement. So they give us an idea of the income and the commitment that they spend on. So by leveraging on the technology that we have, so we can quickly analyze, you know, what is the in and the out of the their bank statement. So it gives us a sense of what is their commitment like and what is the monthly capability. Uh, of course, we also still leverage on some of the traditional things, you know, from secrecy thoughts. And I think the additional data that we find it very useful, you know, as a profile matching is, you know, if you look at this income, this person is this income group, but driving this kind of car, maybe something is not right, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and also we can look at the location. So with all this uh, alternative data, it gives us a sense of, you know, profiling that. Um, of course, a lot of things used to be invested into it. Um, glad to say that, you know, 18 months in there right now, you know, we have so far financed over 5 million worth of uh, service bill. Our overdue that is more than 60 days. Currently, it's less than t- 3% of our total dispersed financing. Wow. Uh, and I guess... The uh, the point of looking at cash flow is really important because not every employed Malaysian, not every Malaysian is salaried employed, right? right? So a lot of it is you could be doing your own business, right. you could be an entrepreneur, and in these situations, you might not be as eligible for credit cards as an uh, employed right. person, right? Because right. there's no salary slip per exactly. se. Exactly. So you're looking at cash in, cash out, and the right. I guess the, the velocity of that money in and out. Correct. Exactly. 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 Um, how do you define uh, NPL, by the way? Um, yeah, so for us, we look at, uh, more basic, we look at any uh, overdue that's more than 60 days. Mm-hmm. Uh, so whatever outstanding then we classify as overdue, the full lump sum. So currently we are less than 3% of the total financing that we have dispersed out. And hopefully over time, and that's our goal, uh, as we learn more, you know, as we have more and more repeated customer, you know, the goal of course is to drive that down. So then we can pass on that saving back to the consumer and hopefully then it can help more consumer in that sense. Yik, we got to go into a few more messages. After this, we'll talk about the revenue streams ahead as well as uh, what kind of revenue generation are we seeing from direct lending and the margins uh, that you are looking at. Uh, folks, I've been speaking with uh, Hui Yik Seong, who is the founder and director of Direct Lending. We'll be back in just a bit. You're listening to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kainasen. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Open for Business will reopen in a few moments. Powered by BossBully.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. Brewing frothy mocha. BFM 89.9. The Business Station. Open for Business is powered by BossBully.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9, welcome back to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kandison, and this morning I'm speaking with Hui Yixiong, who is the founder and director of digital lending marketplace platform Direct Lending that's also gone into embedded financing. Uh, Yik, marketplaces typically have a take rate or transaction fee, while direct financing makes a spread between the cost of the funds you borrow versus the money, the, the money you make on the money you lend. Is that the extent of direct lending's revenue streams as of today? If not, give 
just give us a better sense of the business model. Sure. Um, you're right. I think at this moment, uh, our two core revenue stream is the, we call it the commission income, which is a fee income uh, for marketplace, which is still the majority, given that that has been our uh, business that we started uh, on day one. Um, and of course, then the other one will be the spread income. Um, so I think we're also looking at how we can, you know, uh, diversify that or add more component to that. Uh, I I mentioned just now, uh, you know, we are exploring on adding in ancillary that can add values um, and by working with partners. Um, so insurance is something that we are exploring. So that will give us an additional dimension in terms of our revenue stream. So specifically, uh, again, you're circling the ecosystem here of auto and insurance products that could be quite good because um, I guess, you know, everything seems to have an app today, right? Yep. And for the auto space, there seems to be a, a, a bit of a fragmented space. You know, mm-hmm. TNG Wallet will provide some of the services there, but it's more general in nature. Yep. Some people like uh, Goka or Settle also are yep. having their own apps there, yep. more auto-focused. So it could be interesting to see whether there's a one-stop shop for all your car needs, which could be a place that you look at as well. Um where are you in terms in direct lending in terms of revenue generation as of today? Sure. Um, I would say overall, we have been able to grow our revenue roughly twice the size every year. Mm-hmm. Um, so in our really reported uh, audited financial statement, but then about two years ago, it's uh, about uh, 3 million. Mm-hmm. Um, and this year, in the process of auditing it, roughly speaking, in an unaudited basis, it's close to 6 million. Um, so the goal for us is to you know, keep growing at that trend. And given that opportunity of us uh, on this uh, auto service financing, you know, we, we are looking at ways to accelerate that growth uh, to, be, to be higher than what we have been able to achieve previously. Is there a growth benchmark you have in mind going forward? You're looking at, you know, double-digit growth, uh, 2x growth. What is it? Uh, for, what does it look like for you going forward? Yeah, so um, I think our bare minimum is always a 2x because mm-hmm. that's what we have been able to achieve. Uh, so the goal is, is to be breaking above the 2. Uh, so we are looking at 2 to 3. And of course, then depending on what opportunity and the market at that point in time. Uh, which, uh, I guess, which products or segments do you see driving this gro- uh, revenue growth going forward? Uh, I think in terms of uh, in terms of absolute number-wise, uh, the marketplace will still be, I think, dominant in the short term, given that you know the base is a lot bigger. But I think in terms of relative terms, uh, the, the growth percentage definitely then will be the auto service, given that we just started. And at this moment, we do see good tractions. Uh, we are investing a lot into that segment. Um, and hopefully over you know, in the next few years, uh, the, the, the contribution will be more, more equal in that sense. What is the marketplace contribution as a percentage of revenue today? Uh, I would say at this moment, if you look at the last financial year, it's still 90%, mm-hmm. uh, given the base. Um, but the goal is to get it down to, you know... Uh, 50-50? Or, yeah. Correct. And correct. Do you see that happening in the next two, three years? Uh, I think based on our, our projection, that is what we are looking at. Mm. What other things do you see uh, or are you looking at to drive growth going forward? Because, you know, we've talked a little bit about other vertical... Other mm. In the niche ecosystems yep. you could go yep. into, that could yep. be interesting. Yep. Other markets as well. Yep. Give us a sense of the growth drivers ahead. Sure. Um, I think in the short term, um, although we see a lot of opportunity, um, but it's also important not to be distracted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and our resources is always scarce. Uh, we have to focus. I think the, the goal for it is always, if we do something, we must do it the best and we must have a dominant position in the space. So in the short term, definitely we will be investing and you know do what we can and you know uh, delivering best value in the auto service space. Um, at the same time, you know we can we were able to look at other potential verticals, and I think not just that. One of the reasons why we also go into the auto service side is because 
we see opportunity here in Malaysia, but also in other Southeast Asia region, mm-hmm. right? You talk about there's a lot of car here in Malaysia. There's probably even more car in some of our neighbor countries. Indonesia, for example. Right. And, you know, the, the, the profile is similar in the sense that, you know, the big underserved segment, uh, car age generally is a bit old, right? So they have a lot of use case there. So I think that's also... So we have that flexibility in terms of, you know, going into regional mm-hmm. based on the product that we have mm-hmm. or other verticals. So I think this is a question that we have to keep asking ourselves. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like deciding whether you want to widen the business or you want to go deeper by going to a different right. uh, market. Yep. Um, do you, if you were to expand, do you have a timeline in terms of how, where you would, uh, when you would go to a different country? Um, at this moment, I would say that in the in the next six twelve months, I think really we want to, to really uh, solidify our position here in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I say, to be focused. Um, and I think once we can get there, then you know probably after twelve months, we will look at what opportunity uh, we have it here. Of course, in between, we're not saying that we will totally ignore that altogether. Because if let's say in between, we do find good partners that can you know, work together to go overseas. You know, I think we shouldn't ignore that altogether. Yeah, I guess the source of your funding, uh, of your funds to lend would be a key determinant of uh, expansion, right? right? If you're a good partner in a particular country, that could be a great opportunity yep. for you. Uh, lending itself can be a very lucrative business, mm. uh, depending on the spread, depending on the market. Uh, give us a sense for the gross margins of your products from the marketplace to the embedded financing, then overall for the business, if you can. Yeah, sure. Um, actually, when it come to... Uh, lending business, I think the, the two key component of that is your customer acquisition cost. Mm. It generally is always be more expensive than any other industry because we are the only industry that will decline customer. <laughs> 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 so it kind of double that down, right? Um, and of course, then it's the NPL. Uh, so it's how we, I think that's always the two things that we look at. Uh, in terms of margin-wise, uh, like you say, the 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 providing financing, the margin will always be higher uh, because the risk is also higher. Um uh, so for now, for our financing product, we charge 1.5% per month. So then that, that is the gross margin that we are playing with. Um, and yeah, I think overall, we have been quite blessed and we have been profitable as a business. Uh, and then that also gives us flexibilities as we uh, you know expand to new segment. Um, so as we think about fundraising, it's not so much about runway, but more in terms of how can we accelerate the growth that we have. Fuel on the fire, perhaps. Right. Um, as you look to fundraise to continue to grow this business, um, what kind of, I guess, what kind of funders are you looking uh, What kind of investors are you looking at? You know, because um, there could be strategics that, be, that could be quite valuable for you. Mm-hmm. Or are you looking for pure financial plays like from VCs, for example? Um, I think we believe that it's important to find partners that can add value to the business. Um um, so I think that is a key component to that. I mean, as mentioned, you know, we are not looking for fundraising in terms of runway in that sense. So it's how about uh, accelerate the growth? So having the right partners, I think is crucial. So we do at this moment look at both uh, VC that, you know, maybe through their own ecosystem can add value uh, to our business and also uh, strategic lenders, partners that, you know, again, can help us, whether it's from a debt financing standpoint or, you know, help us to open up a new market. A key question will always be for any entrepreneur, for any founder, uh, as you build your business is, I guess, uh, the longer term, right? How mm. do you envision this turning out now? Um, whether you're going to stay on and ride this through an IPO or whether you see this as maybe a more M&A play in the longer term. Right. Give us a sense of what you think is the most likely kind of exit uh, for this business. Sure. Um, 
I, I would say at, at this moment, the main focus is really to build a business that is sustainable mm-hmm. uh, and importantly, being institutionalized in the sense that it can move beyond just myself. Uh, I think that is my key focus and whatever we do really have a dominant position in that. Because why I think that's important because if we can get there, that means a lot of exit flexibilities will, will take place. And a lot of time, you know, based on my experience and observations, opportunity will come as it comes along. <laughs> the key thing is to be ready at that moment, right? Whether it's yeah. M&A or whatnot. Um, but based on where we, I sit right now, I, I would potentially think that M&A is, is a more potential uh, opportunity at this moment, given mm. that, you know, as you mentioned, there's a lot of new lenders coming out um, and hopefully we can build a right segment out there that could you know, be an interesting business for them also. And uh, you, you mentioned that you know you want to build a team that you know hopefully can take over from you as well at some point, so that you don't have to keep steering the wheel here. <laughs> um, how long do you see yourself doing this? Because you've been doing this for seven years now. Yeah, um, I, I still recall one of my mentors said that you know if you can if you can go for holiday for three months and come back, the business is still running well hasn't caught fire. Yeah, then, then you have done a good job. <laughs> So that is my litmus test for for now. Um, I, I don't have a time frame. So you're planning a three month holiday, is it? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's something that I always share with my team. Uh, but I, I'm blessed that I do have a good team. Uh, um, so, but to answer your question, I don't have a, a exact time frame. I still definitely enjoy what I'm doing. Uh, I I still believe a lot we can do. Um, but you know, of course, growing a business also means that you know you you have a build a, a strong team, and that's something that I'm working on too. Yik, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much. Folks, I've been speaking with Hui Yik Xiong. He's the founder and director of digital lending marketplace platform, Direct Lending. I'm Roshan Kennison. You've been listening to Open for Business. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Are you open for business? Register your company with BossBalay.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.